Let's, let's, let's begin with this thought. And I think this is a thought I just had yesterday because I think one of, the, one of the problems we have with the connections that we have in our lives is sometimes we don't realize that there is a difference in the people that we connect with. And so I want to present this to you as a question. Do you recognize and understand the difference in a bestie and in a mentor? You know, a BFF, a bestie, you know, best friend. Do you understand? There is a difference in someone being your best friend and someone being a mentor. You know, and, and sometimes I, I don't think we realize that. We just think as long as we've got friends, we're good. No, you need some very specific kinds of friends in your life. And what we need to do is we need to mark who some of those people are. Now, I don't mean, yeah, you know, we'll go to that just to say it, but I don't, I don't mean that we take a big magic marker and go around and mark people on the forehead. You know, this is this one, this is this one, whatever. But we need, in our own minds, we need to mark. So let me show you what I'm talking about, okay? Because we need, we, we need some different people in our life than maybe that you've realized. So here's the first one. Mark those you should turn to when in trouble. Now, 2 Kings chapter 19. If you go to the Sunday's page, click on the link, it'll take you to the whole story. You can read the whole story there. Hezekiah. Uh, he, he, is, he is king uh, over God's people, and, and Assyria has, has sent a threat to them. Assyria is a, a big army and a lot bigger than, than, than Hezekiah's army is at this time. And, uh, and, and so, you know, he gets this word, and, and all of a sudden, what, what, is, what does he do? Now, now what, what, what would you think of doing? You know, if someone, if you're the king, you know, what would you think of doing if somebody threatened to come and attack your country? I, I meant the, the first thought is, well, I got to get some more weapons because, you know, my army's not as big, you know, so, you know, you know, if you were in America, you'd probably be calling America and say, what can I buy from you? Because I'm about to go to war. Or, or maybe, you know, back in those days, one of the things they did is they would hire mercenaries or hire even entire other armies, make, make treaties with other armies to come and help them fight against their enemy. So this would be the first thing that you would think of, right? And, and, and I'm not saying you need to quit posting prayer requests on Facebook. You know, really, if you post a prayer request on Facebook and it helps somebody, you know, and challenges somebody to pray, that is a good thing, okay? I'm not saying don't do that anymore. But here's what I want to say to you about this. Look at what Hezekiah did. When Hezekiah found out that he was about to be attacked, he didn't go look for a bunch more armies. You know what he did? He went to prayer, he went to fasting, and then he sent to get the prophet of God, Isaiah, the one who had God's ear, the one who was hearing God. He, he, he spoke to God, he had God's ear, but then he was also hearing from God. And this was a man that could get a message through to God and he went and found it. You know, here's the thing, instead of, a you don't need a thousand people. Jesus made this really, really simple. He made it really, really easy. When he said that where two of you agree concerning anything, it'll be done. For a prayer to be answered, only two of you need to agree. He also said in another place that where just two or three of us get together in his name, he said, I'm going to show up too. If there's two or three of you together, I'm going to be there too. He made this real simple. You don't need a thousand people. You know what you need? You need that one person. And you, know, you need to mark that person. Do you have somebody like that? You know, that one person that you know when you've got a problem? They're the person I'm going to call because I know these, that's somebody that spoke to God or, you know, this morning. You know? Uh, this, this is my friend that I know has already talked to God. This is my, my friend that I know who's already heard from God, has already talked to him or something, has already connected. This is the person. You, you know, you don't necessarily need a thousand friends today if you've got a problem. You need to find out who that one person is and mark them. That's the person. That's what Hezekiah did. 
did. And this wasn't the only time Hezekiah. This was the man in his life, Isaiah, the prophet of God. This was the man that he ran to when he was in trouble, when he was under attack, when he had threats and stuff thrown at his way. You need to figure out who those people are in your life. Do you know who they are? Do you, do you, come on, think about it. Do you know who they are? And if not, you, know, you need to say, God, you know, open my eyes. Let me see the prayer warriors. Let me see those kinds of prophets, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I'll give you a little clue right here also. They're probably going to be weird, all right, because uh, prophets are weird, you know. People hear from God, they're a little weird. You know why? Because Norm doesn't normally hear from God. Normal doesn't normally hear from God, you know. And so they may be a little, but man, you need to mark those people and embrace that, that God has given you people in your life that hear his voice, and, and you need to mark those people that you turn to in trouble. Leads us to number two, the second person you need to mark, have in your life. Mark those who encourage you to worship at all times. You have people that encourage you to worship? Okay, you've got Jamie, right? Every Sunday, she's encouraging you to worship, okay, right? But you need somebody in your life that encourages you to worship at all times, you know? Okay, back to the Facebook thing, right? One of the reasons I, I think we like to post to Facebook is whenever we're hurting, it, it is just human nature to want someone to empathize with us, right? I mean, even if you're a big old burly strong guy, you like, you like other people to know that you've had a tough day. Normally, you know, you like people to know that you've had a battle. I mean, you know, you like to wear your battle scars. Even if you're a big old guy, you like other people to know you've been in a battle. We like that empathy. But you know what? Every once in a while, we need someone who encourages us to worship. We, you know, sometimes what Jamie reminds us is God is here and God is here for whatever we need. You know what? You need somebody like that all week long. Somebody that when you have problems, they don't just pat you on the back and say, oh, it's going to be okay. You know, sometimes you need that, but sometimes you need somebody who says, listen, no matter what you're going through today, I can promise you God is still on the throne. He still has your answer. The, the word of God is still the word of God. You need somebody who reminds you to raise him up in your life, not, not allow the things of life to press God down in, 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 who, in, in your relationship with him, but you need to raise him up. You need people like that. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Someone who encourages you to worship. In, in this story here, King, uh, this was uh, King Josiah, and he, he, came to, he came to the kingdom as king at eight years of age, and he, he led a great reformation, and, and he called people to worship God. And people that haven't worshiped God, the people of Israel, the people of God had not worshiped God in years, in, in decades, and, and he was calling them back to worship God. We need people like that who will remind us no matter what is going on in our life, God is still in control control and he is still in charge. The third person you need in your life, mark these people. You need to mark those who believe in you, but don't make it too easy. Uh, this, this thing, let me say this also about this marking thing. You don't just need these people in your life. You, what I'm saying is you need to know who they are and you need to say, this is the person in my life that does this for me. You need to mark those people who believe in you, but don't make it too easy. Now, listen, your grandma believes in you, Right? but she makes it too easy, right? Now, I remember when I was a kid, I used to love, you know, I, I lived right beside one of my grandmothers. So, you know, there was not a week that went by that I didn't see her. There were not many days that went by that I didn't see my grandmother and granddad live next door to me, right? Because they were right next door. But I had another grandmother. She lived a long, long, long ways away. 
She lived all the way in Montevallo, other side of the world, you know, when you were a kid. You know, Montevallo is just a long, long ways away. But I used to love to go to her house for this reason. It's because she didn't get to see us all the time, so she would spoil us rotten. I mean, she would do all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember buttered toast at her house. It's like, you know those little, little pats of butter like you can buy, in, in, you know, or you go through a, a buffet line, you know, they got the little pat of butter. If she made me four pieces of butter toast, there were four of those, one on each corner of each piece of buttered toast. It was like awesome, you know? And she would do, and, and, and you know, really, my granddad, he, he wasn't really the spoiler. And so, you know, growing up now, I've kind of wondered, looked back and thought, I wonder what kind of conversations they had at night when he was telling, he was trying to tell her, you are spoiling these grandkids, but she didn't care. You know, I, I love that. You know, I love going there, but I, I probably didn't grow a whole lot, you know, being there and being spoiled like that. Uh, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, some of you have had grandparents like that, right? You've had got a grandmother like that but they don't challenge you a lot. You know, this story that is here, again, you can go to Sunday's page, click on it, take you to, to link to the whole story. This is, where, this is where the mantle or the leadership, the prophet office over Israel is passing down from Elijah to Elisha. And Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Now that's a hard thing to ask, Elijah says, but if you see me when I leave this life, then you'll have it. Elijah, now Elijah was working miracles. I mean, there were amazing, crazy stuff happening. And God was speaking through him. Amazing things were happening. And Elisha gets a double portion. Now, God had spoken to Elijah and told Elijah, Elisha's going to follow in your footsteps. He's going to be the next leader. And, and so Elijah already knew, he already believed in Elijah because he knew God's already chosen this guy. He already knew him, but he didn't make it easy on him. There, the, the verses you have on the screen there it says this, you know, Elisha, Elisha's following around after Elijah. And Elijah says, stay here. God's called me to Bethel. I got to go to Bethel. Elisha says, no, I'm not leaving you. And he follows him to Bethel. And then a couple of verses down, Elijah says, stay here. God's called me to Jericho. Elisha says, I'm not staying. I'm going with you. I'm going with you. I've got, I, I know God's about to do this thing. And, and then he says, a, few, a couple of verses later, he says, after they get to Jericho, stay here. God's called me to uh, the, the, the Jordan River. And Elisha says, I'm not, I'm not staying here. Elijah didn't make it easy on Elisha. Elisha is going to get a double portion, and Elijah knows this, and Elijah believes in Elisha, but for him to get there, he knows he can't make it easy on him. You need people in your life who believe in you, but also don't make it easy to challenge you. You know, like, it was not too long ago, I had, I had one day, one day that I had a couple of counseling situations in one day, a couple of men, uh, two different guys, two different situations totally, but it just happened to be in one day. And it was like a, it was like a day and night comparison, you know? And, and, and the, one that I, the one that I met with first, you know, he said, said he had needed some advice, needed some counsel. And, you know, and I tell people, you know, I'm not really a counselor. I'm not going to really sit there and hold your hand a whole lot. You know, I'm going to really tell you what kind of, you know, and, and I, I try to hold back if I don't see the doors wide open, you know, and so I try to hold back, but so I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this guy. He, he, he's telling me all this stuff that's going on in his life and all this stuff, you know, and I'm just sitting there thinking, this guy is never going to meet with me ever again. If I tell him what I'm really feeling like I need to tell him. If I just, if I just, uh, just tell him the truth, I'm going to offend him. He's going to get angry. He's going to get, and he's going to be out and I'll never see him again. You know, and 
but then after he kind of tells me what's going on in the story, he, he asks, actually says, I, I need your advice. I need your counsel. And I kind of preface it, you know, like you've heard me say sometimes, you know, that, I, you know, I'm just kind of weird, you know, when somebody tells me they want to know the truth, I believe they really want to know the truth. So that's, that may be weird of me. I think some people think that is weird because they think you still should sugarcoat it if somebody asks you for the truth. But if you ask me for the truth, you're going to get the truth best I can see it. And so I started laying the truth out. I said, well, here, you know, you're kind of doing this and this. And you know what? And the guy said, you're right. And I said, you know, I, I know you're kind of thinking you're, you're, you're fixing your future, but, you know, it's kind of like saying you're, you're fixing a five-minute future instead of a five-year future. And he said, you know what? You're right. And you, you know what happened? All of it, the door was open. Man, I just walked through. And, you know, and then he, he started sharing something. He said, you know, and he said something that came to his mind just because now we've walked through this door of openness of, of, of I believe in you, but I don't want to make it easy on you. I want to see something else. And, and, and it was just amazing what happened. And then later that day, I had another little situation. And I don't, I don't even know that I'd call it counseling because really somebody was just having a pity party, you know? Just kind of wanted to tell the pastor, you know, how bad stuff has been and all of that and wanted somebody to feel sorry for him and all of that, you know? And, and I'm like, you know, and the wall is there. Totally different situation. The wall is there. You know, and I know, I, I, you know, I'm not being asked, what's your counsel? I've not been asked that. What, what do you think? And I've been asked that. But it's thrown to me for me to give an answer. I hate that. You know, I hate that when somebody wants you to give an answer, but they've already figured out the answer that they wanted. You know, you, you, you do that with me and you're liable to just kind of look at a, a blank face, you know, because, you know, I can't just say to you what you want to hear. And the door was closed and I, I just said a few things and those weren't received. I said a few other things and those weren't received. I think some of them may have even hurt their feelings, even though I couldn't say a whole lot and hurt their feelings. So here's the thing. Let me throw this at you. Which of those two men do you think are going to see amazing change happen in their life this year? Come on. Which do you think? I mean, is that a duh question or what? Isn't it? I mean, which one? I mean, we know this, don't we? Here's the thing you need to understand. It, th this person right here who believes in you but doesn't make it too easy, they believe in you, okay? The reason they don't make it easy is they believe that you can be the most awesome parent, the most awesome husband, the most awesome wife, the most awesome friend. They believe in you and that's why they don't make it easy because they know you won't be that if they make it easy. And so they challenge you. They throw things at you. And so what you've got to do is you've got to find, this is, we talked a little bit about this last week, is you've got to have some of those people. And, and, I, and, I, and I, quoted, I quoted from one of Jeff's sermons a little over a year ago, is that if you don't have people telling you stuff you don't want to hear, you need some different people in your life. You know, you need that. We need people sometimes to tell us what we don't want to hear. And so you need, and I want to just ask you, do you have someone like this in your life that believes you? Now, don't just get somebody that doesn't make it easy on you. I mean, you got those two, right? All right. But you got some people, that's, that's what they live for. So make life tough on everybody in the world, right? I'm not, that's not who I'm talking about either. You need somebody in your life who believes in you, but doesn't make it easy. Do you have that person? If not, you can take a moment right here and just say, God, I need somebody, I do need somebody like that. Somebody who loves me every bit of who I am and believes so much in me that they will challenge me to be all that they believe I can be too. And just ask God for that.
Next person that you need to mark in your life. Mark those who inspire you. Now, this is in the story. This is an awesome story. This, this, this whole book of Esther, you know, when we get there in the Bible project, I mean, to me, you could just read the whole book in one sitting. I mean, it's just, I think it's about 10, I think it's 10 chapters. Man, you could read this whole thing and, and just, I mean, because just, it's an amazing story. And in this story, though, Esther is a Jew who has become the prince, I mean, I'm sorry, has become the queen of, of Persia. She is married now to the king of Persia. And, and one, of, one, of his, uh, one of his authority figures in Persia has, has devised a plan to wipe out all the Jews because he doesn't know that the queen of Persia is a Jew. And so now her uncle, Esther's uncle, comes to her and says, now you got to talk to your, your, your husband, the king, about this. And she's like, I don't know if, if he'll listen to me. I, I can't just go and talk to him unless he opens the door for me to come and talk to him. And Mordecai gives to her, her uncle Mordecai gives to her one of the greatest locker room speeches I think there is in the whole, uh, in the whole Bible. Now, it's not very long, but a locker room speech isn't necessarily a long speech. It's an inspiring one. You know, here's, here's the speech. If you keep quiet at a time like this, Esther, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arrive from some other. God's not, going to, God's not going to forget us, Esther. If you don't do it, God will find somebody else to do it. But you and your relatives will die because you're a Jew. When they find out, you're going to, God's going to rescue us. But if you aren't part of this, he won't rescue you. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. And I've heard that I, I, all of my life. I've heard that quoted over and over and over to challenge. Who knows the situation you're in? Who knows if God brought you to that place? Who knows if God raised you to that person that you are? Who knows if God brought you to that place for just such a time as this? You know, a locker room speech, it doesn't have to be long. A locker room speech doesn't have to say a whole lot of things. All a locker room speech is supposed to do is just inspire you. I mean, uh, uh, those of you guys that, that played football, you know, if a, if a coach got up, gave you a great locker room speech, man, it made you want to run out on the field and hit somebody, right? I mean, you know, it inspired you to go out there and be the best you can be. That's what this was, is a locker room speech. Do you have a, a, a locker room speech person in your life? Do you have an, a Mordecai? Do you have someone who inspires you? You know, and, and you know, it doesn't have to be somebody that makes it harder, but somebody that inspires you. This is, this is kind of a different person than that last one we were talking about. Do you have somebody like that? You know, there, there, there's a lady was telling me about how that, that's, that was the role someone in her life played. They said whenever they it felt like they couldn't do it, you know, whenever they felt like they, they couldn't make it happen, they knew, they knew this one person that all they had to do is they just had to kind of let them know they had a little bit of doubt. And that person would just, all of us, just kind of get up, you know, on the bench in the locker room, you know, and give them the speech. And they would be, you know, and not be the person who told them what to do, but just inspire them because they already knew what to do. And sometimes you already know what to do, but you just need someone to inspire you that, yes, you can, because God has put you in this place for just such a a time as this. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome to, to when you need that speech, to have that person in your life? I, I, I believe every person sitting here, God has put someone like that in your life. You just hadn't figured out who they are yet. And when you figure, you know, and ask God to give it, and when you figure out who they are, mark them. This is my locker room speech person. Mark them. This is my inspiration. Okay, the next person. Mark those who encourage you. Now, Mary, Jesus' mother, here on the other, the one that 
gave birth to Jesus, when God became uh, flesh, Mary's life was all wonderful. Everything was going good. I mean, we got a, we got a lot of new new engaged couples around here, right? And and, and you you young ladies that just gotten engaged or, or you've just gotten married, you you know what she pro- she was feeling. I mean, she's betrothed or engaged to Joseph now. Everything's wonderful. We're going to have our our own little house. And we're going to have raise our own kids and all this. And then all of a sudden, an angel visits her in the middle of the night. You're going to get pregnant before you get married. And everything changed. Because from that point, she started hearing the whispers when she walked up and down the street. Things are a lot different today than they were then. She heard the whispers. She even knew that Joseph was not really sure about this thing. And so what does she do? Something beyond her control. Something God has chosen. Man, has God ever put you in a place that you think, God, are you, do you know what you're doing? Have you ever questioned God's sanity when he actually gave you, a, gave you something to do? I have. I've wondered, I thought God was, God, you're crazy. Me? You don't know who, God, you've forgotten who this is. This, this angel showed up at the wrong address tonight, you know. I, I imagine Mary probably thought that. Not me, not me, not me. So what did she do? She went to visit Elizabeth. You know, I don't know a lot about Elizabeth, but what I learned is I learned Elizabeth was her encourager. She shows up at Elizabeth's house and Elizabeth just starts worshiping God. Said, Man, this is awesome. Yeah, wouldn't it be great to have a person like that in your life when you feel like, oh, God has called me to do this thing and I just don't know if I can do it and have that person walk, man, this is awesome that God has called you to such an amazing thing. This is awesome. Oh, let's rejoice in what God is about to do in your life and amazing and, all, and just encourage you like that. Yeah, and God, no doubt God has given you people like that. But sometimes, again, we're hanging around with the people we like, the besties or the ones that we like to eat pizza with or go to the movies with or something, and, and the people that will empathize with us more than the people who will say, oh, this is awesome. It's such a, it's such a great thing in your life. Because, and that's what, exactly what Mary needed, to be able to take the step of saying, yes, God has called me. You need that person in your life. And I think, I think our last one, right, is mark those who challenge you to go deeper, yes. And I've, I actually had three, I just couldn't fit them all on the screen. They're all on the Sunday's page if you go there. But like this first one was, uh, Priscilla and Aquila heard this young Christian, Apollos, speak. And he spoke awesome, awesomely with, with passion. And, and, and he, had a, he had the gift of speaking. But they took him to their house because he was a young Christian. And they took him to their house and they explained some things. A little more, a little deeper. They challenged him. Here, let, let us explain some other things to you. And you know what happened because of that? Well, Priscilla and Aquila, their wisdom was able to now just start reaching more and more people because there was a young man who was going to go probably preach a whole bunch of places Priscilla and Aquila would never go. And so their ministry just kind of went out from him. And he was already gifted to speak with passion and ability and they just gave him the wisdom. And so now it makes, it makes the things he is saying with this passion and ability to say it, it makes it even deeper and greater because of that. God has put people like that in your life. And, and, and even, I don't know, this, this one here, I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly ter, uh, trained in the law of our ancestors. You might not even know who that one is. You know, that, that's the apostle Paul. And now if you've studied, if you've studied Paul or, or the Bible a little bit, if you've studied a little bit of Paul's life, you will know that, that, that Paul, uh, 
he was trained to be a Pharisee, and you will know that Paul went off by himself in the wilderness for a while and, and, and just to seek God and to hear from God. But you probably, unless you've studied a good bit, you've probably never thought of this right here. Paul says, and he named the guy. Now, he named the guy, and, and in the book of Acts, he named the guy to let them know. You know, now, he wouldn't name the guy if Gamaliel was, Gamaliel was a bad teacher. He named the guy because he obviously had credentials. He must have been somebody that was, was awesome to sit under. And he named him. He says, I sat under Gamaliel, and I was taught. I was I was." I was was tutored in the way of of the law. And God chose this to give him this basis, this foundation, because God had a calling on Paul's life to be able to reach a certain people. And he needed this basis of understanding of the law. And, And how did he get it? He got it because of the person, Gamaliel, that God had put in his life. And when was this? If you know the story of Paul, and if you don't, let me say enough about it, but if you know the story of Paul, you already know this, that this was happening when Paul was, Paul was going in the wrong direction. He was working against the church instead of for the church, yet God already had him in a place connected with somebody that was pouring into him what he would need to know to be able to preach the gospel. And God has already put people like that in your life. What you need to do is figure out who those people are and mark those people. Mark them in my, in, in my, in my mind. Mark them. And, 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 and why is it? Why is it that God has done all of this? Why is it? I, I think I gave you this little statement last week, but I wanted to bring it back. Because discipleship happens in relationship, not events. Discipleship doesn't happen in events. You know, the, uh, basically an event by the very definition has a beginning and an end. It's an event. It comes and it goes. It's like worship service is kind of an event, you know? That's why this isn't the church. We talk about going to church. This isn't the church. You're the church. You came to an event today. In just a few minutes, we're going to say the last amen. You're dismissed. The event is over. You won't be in worship service anymore. But you know what? We'll come back next Sunday. I hope you do. We'll come back next Sunday. But, but you know what? If you and I are connected and we have a relationship, when we say, amen, you're dismissed, and we leave, and you get in your car and go one direction, I get in my car and go another direction, relationship is still happening. Discipleship happens in relationship, not events. And sometimes, you know, I've seen it, I've seen it in my generation growing up is we've embraced the events instead of the relationship. We, we like, okay, if you're a little bit older than me, you know, we like the singings. You're a little bit younger than me, we call them concerts. If you're a lot younger than me, you call them shows, right? And we like that. Nothing wrong with them. But discipleship doesn't happen there, does it? Maybe some inspiration. Maybe some encouragement. But discipleship happens. You, you can't attend enough events to get discipled. You have to be in relationship. And next Sunday, next Sunday is one of the, one of the most important Sundays, uh, three times a year at 2911, one of the most important Sundays on our calendar is small groups because it is one of the best places to build relationships. I love the fact that Kurt Sanford and I were talking about it right before service. I love the, the, the fellowship. I was standing here, and it's like everybody was still out in the hallway, and I said, y'all come on in here, you know, and Kurt was saying, 
You know, that's a good thing. I was just, yeah, I was just saying I wish they'd do it here, you know, but I like that. It's awesome. But even in that, that's how much connection can really happen in five or 10 minutes before service. You need your relationship. And, and there is no better place to do that than small groups. That's next week. So I really challenge you to do that. Because discipleship, even if you don't like the term, if you don't even know what it means, but to make change happen in 2017 in your life so that 2017 ends differently than 2016 did, if you want to see growth, if you want to see, it doesn't happen just in event. You've got to have relationships. It goes so much deeper in relationships. And that's why we call ourselves at 2911 a church of small groups not just church, with small groups. So we, I, I dare you, I challenge you to do it. Right now, I want to ask you, would you stand and come to the front? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. But I also got one more point I want to throw at you, one more slide, and then we'll, we'll close and be dismissed. So if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us, even if this is your first time. We don't do anything weird down here. We just... Uh, we just kind of like to close in, in the, you know, the holy mosh pit together or whatever, you know. Just something about what? Coming together, right? Connections. Yeah, exactly. That's what it all is. So let me say this as uh, worship team's getting ready. Let me say this. Prayer team, they're, they're kind of trying to get their way through, <laughs> through traffic there. Standing right here waiting. You know, again, connections. If I had a need, who would, I would mark one of these people. Because here's the thing. Listen, this, this is not an event, okay? This is not supposed to be a five-minute prayer and it's over. It's supposed to be a relationship. You know, man, if you've got a, like, if you've got a problem, you know, that you're dealing with, or you've got an attack against your family, or, you know, you got, you need a better job or something, Man, come and let God lead you one of these prayer team members and say, hey, my name is, you don't have to give your whole history or anything. My name is so-and-so and say a little something real quick and let them pray with you this week and then come back next. You know what? I had somebody ask me this question a long time ago that if I pray for something this Sunday and then I come back next Sunday and pray for it again, is that a lack of faith? No, not at all. I think that just shows determination. I'm going to get this thing. And I'm coming back next week. If I, if, you know what? And I don't get most of my answers in one day, in five minutes. I don't get most of my answers in a week. I normally have to have prayer two or three times, you know, at, at minimum, you know? So I encourage you, build a relationship with a prayer team member. Perhaps one of these can become, like Hezekiah and Isaiah, can become the person that you run to when you're in battle, when you're in trouble. So let me, let me throw one last thing at you, okay? I got one last thing about marking someone, but it's a question to you and a challenge. Because I've been talking about marking those people in your life. Here's the question. Has anyone marked you? Has anyone marked you? You know, I, I'm talking about having these people that inspire you, people that, are, you, know, that you go to when you have troubled times, and, and the people that, but are you that for anybody else? And here, here's, here's where this thing's all supposed to go to. You know, God doesn't want to give us these eight people or so, you know, in our lives that do all these things for us so we can just get to be fat, lazy Christians and have all these people do stuff for us. No, they're just supposed to help us grow 
And where are we growing to? We're growing to the place of becoming that in somebody else's life. And you know, and, and you, you can't just do that because you want to. You can't just walk up and say, hey, Tony, I want to be your encourager. That's not the way it works. Just, you just got to start. If you're an encourager, it's going to happen. You know, if you just are an encourager, if you're, if you're a person of prayer, it's going to happen. You know, if you're a person, you know, like, like I was hearing somebody talk the other day about someone in their life, you know, and it's like, you know, I've got people in my life, they don't talk all the time, thankfully. They don't talk all the time, but when they open their mouth, they have something amazing to say. They're on that list for me, you know. But, you know, and not because they came to me and said, I want to be your mentor, no. But because when they open their mouth, they've got, and they are one of my people on a list because of those kinds of things. And you're supposed to be that. Has anybody marked you yet? Has anybody marked you? Jamie, go ahead when you can. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you. And I want to pray that, that you really embrace this because we don't often see this as a gift of God, that God gives us people. But he, that is a gift. He gave us his church. Jesus died for his church, not just so you can go to heaven one day, but so you can have a family right now. A family that believes in you, a family that challenges you, a family that holds you up in prayer, a family that encourages you, a family that will fight with you. So please embrace that. Say, wow, I, I, have, a, I have a family. They'll do all those things for me. Yeah, you've got these people and you start marking them. Okay, so right now, just think, who is it you don't have that you don't know about right now? What, did you have a, do you have an encourager? Do you have an inspirer? Do you have someone that you run to in those times or that you know can get a, a prayer through? Do you have someone? Who, which one are you missing? Just whisper it to God. Say, God, you know, I need this person. Or maybe two or three. I need this person in my life. Open my eyes. Let me see them. And when I see them, God, make me see it and know that those are people that you put in my life. This purpose. Come on, let's pray. Father, I ask you.